From inside Memorial Stadium in the Huskers Radio Network studio, it's time for the Sideline Scoop with our Husker great NFL vet, Big Red Analyst, Jeremiah Searles. Here's your host, Jessica Cooty. And we're back. Had to take a week off last week here on the Sideline Scoop with Searles. Uh, with Jeremiah Searles, I'm Jessica Cootie. You were hunting. I was. Uh, and I had a lot of questions about it. But I, I said about, you know, you've been playing football for so long and you hadn't been able to have this kind of weekend with your dad. Yep. And so it was important to be able to spend some time with your dad. Yeah, I mean, so growing up hunting was something my dad and I did all the time together. And then once I really left for college in 2009, I really never had the falls. I've been fairly busy. And so a chance last year was our first hunt together and seeing my dad, I mean, he's 63 now. So I mean, he probably doesn't have a, a ton of hunts left in him. He's still got a few good ones and he's still taking me to school because he, he got one. I did not. Um, he's the elk whisperer, but it was really fun just to be up in the woods and hang some time with him. It was funny because you called me and you're like out of breath, but whispering, you're like, yeah. hey, I need an update. What's going on? Yeah. So Friday, mor Friday morning, we hiked up to way up on top of where we hunt about 10,000 feet. And I pulled my phone. I was like, oh. I have service. I was like, I need a quick update on what's happening on the Huskers. And so I called you and you're like, okay, this person's in, this person's out, this person's in, here's the plan. I was like, cool, great. All right, I'll see you on Monday. <laughs> but you're whispering, trying not to. Yeah, I you like, don't want to scare the elk away. They might have been like right around the corner. <laughs> well, uh, Oklahoma, obviously a hard-fought yep. game for uh, Nebraska. And, man, what a game. I like the attitude that they've taken, though. You know, Adrian Martinez was the first to say, we're not doing moral victories. And then throughout this week, a lot of the defensive players, as good as they played, said, yeah, we're not even close to how good we could be. Left a lot out on the, on the field on Saturday. What did you take away when you went back and watched it? I know you were listening to it, yep. and then when you got to go back and watch the film. Yeah, so I've watched the game a couple times through now, just really trying to hone in on some things that went well, things that went wrong. And the biggest takeaway is they played hard enough to win. Mm -hmm. I really think all two phases, offense and defense, played hard enough to win that game. We just didn't play smart enough at times. And that's the thing that really got us is there was definitely times when we could have done one or two things different to maybe turn that, that one series or that one play because when you lose by one possession, it's always one, two, three, four plays that really make that difference. And going back, there were some broken plays on offense, on defense. There were some alignment issues at times. But – I think those are all coachable and fixable things. And really, it was good to see us go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the top five opponent and physically stand up to the task. And I think that was really good. I think we did that. Now we just need to clean up some technical and some execution errors. And, and we're really close. I really believe this team's close to turning the tide. You said that you thought that the, the physicality of Nebraska would maybe uh, give Oklahoma some trouble We've had a lot of people can't wait to hear what your thought is on um, uh, what your thoughts are on Cam's penalties. I was in on the huddle, and I, I don't think uh, Greg Austin was too upset. He was mad that the second one got called, but I don't even think he was mad that the first one got called because it's Cam's kind of establishing some dominance and some, you know, some uh, the mentality up front. Now, he said you got to be smart, and that can't happen, you know, in a, in a big game, but I don't think they were too upset about that no, one. No, they were crap calls, both mm -hmm. of them. Both of them were absolute crap calls. The first one, he buried a guy and let him know about it. There's nothing wrong about that. You don't want to know about it, stay your butt off the ground. It's not that hard. You don't want to be told, hey, stay here, and you're going to be here again, and then don't get put on the ground. And then the second one, 
I'm sure I, I've played in loud places. You can't hear the whistle if things are getting really loud and the crowd's going and you've got people running. You can't, you don't have eyes in the back of your head. And I mean, he literally just bench pressed that dude and <laughs> threw him and the flag came flying in. Like both those calls are crap calls, but both those calls are also, again, it's a, it's a fine line of controlled aggression for an offensive lineman. You want to play through the echo of the whistle but not past the whistle. And so Cam's got to be smart because, yeah, you want to be tough, you want to be physical, but you don't want to hurt your team. And those two penalties really hurt our team. Granted, we were over to overcome a few of them, but I think that the biggest thing was those penalties and really, I mean, set us back on the opening drive a few times. We still were able to go down. If we can get rid of some of those penalties and those drive killers, we can start scoring more points than we have been. Eight penalties on the day, four of them were on that first drive. And by the offensive line, and again, listening to that, how do you know maybe the set, the the crowd noise, mm -hmm. a lot of you know the going on the road and just figuring things out, and you know Greg Austin just settle down, settle down. How much do you think? I mean, it'll be different atmospheres, but do you think that line can learn from what they did uh, on Saturday against Oklahoma and and maybe grow from that and keep it from happening moving forward? Yeah, I mean, if you want to think about it, last year Bryce Benhart started for all year, right? We had no fans in the stands. Mm -hmm. Turner Corcoran starting for the first time. There's fans. It's loud. You got Mitch Schechterman starting for the first time. Like, these are not only first-time starters, but first-time starting in a hostile road environment. It's not easy. I've done it. You're trying to look at the ball while also knowing there's a werewolf standing outside <laughs> of you that wants to go kill the quarterback, right? It's just it's hard to really do both. And so, yeah, you grow and you learn from it, and you only learn from it the longer you get for every time that you keep playing. So I think they can learn from it. Again, it's a focus issue because – when we talk about penalties, I, I break it down even more, talk about unforced penalties, right? Offsides, false starts, delay of games. You're going to get a holding. You're going to get a DPI. Like, those are in-game penalties. But the unforced air penalties are the ones that really got to quit because you talk about, okay, four of those were false starts, right? Talk about a fifth one in Ben Stilley when he went on encroachment. You talk about the two personal foul penalties. That's seven penalties right there. Other than that, you weren't holding guys. You weren't grabbing guys in the secondary. Those are the little things that we can get cleaned up, and those are the things that are focus issues more than talent issues or how you match up with guys. That's good to see because we're not grabbing and pulling, but it's a focus issue now more than anything. A lot of people this week want to talk about the kicking game and the issues there, and I know you've blocked for some kickers in the past. Yeah. I mean, how do you how do you fix it? Like, what, I mean, is it kind of... Between the ears. Yeah. It's all between the ears. I mean, I, every kicker I've ever played with high school, college, NFL, they're all mental basket case in one way, shape, or form. <laughs> they just are because they're the one player on the team that really has a lot of I instead of we, right? I mean, yes, they need the snap, the protection, the hold, but no one on the field can kick a ball like they can. No one on the field can have the mental steps and approach to do it time in and time out consistently which is why when you see a kicker making the NFL for 20 years, they've mentally got it figured out. Mm -hmm. And so you know it's mental for him because physically he boots a 50-yarder and hammers it, and then it's the 25 to 30-yarders that he's overthinking or he's thinking, okay, do this, do this, this, instead just going out there and kick the ball, man. And you can tell Scott's starting to get a little bit more, uh, I need to do something about this. But at the same time, you don't want to trash a kicker's confidence because then he really goes down in the dumps and it's hard to get him right. back. It's a very fine line of being on your kickers and supporting your kickers and just kind of knowing that you're there for you, man. We're here for you. We appreciate you. We'll put it through the pipes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it is, and, and it's hard because 
you know, it is such a mental thing, and you then you hear kind of like we were talking about Cam Jurgens and the Yips, and then you hear people talking about it, and it just makes it worse. So you, you got to, but you got to figure it out because that's a difference in in a winning and losing a football game sometimes. Yeah, it is. I mean, in, in the case against Oklahoma, we make three we make three out of the four field goals that we missed instead of one of the four. We're talking about a one-point game. That last-minute drive is a totally different drive. We're now not talking about scoring a touchdown. We're talking about getting past the 40. And so it changes the entire outcome of a game. And you want to talk about tide-turning. I truly believe the extra point is a momentum play. Yeah, and the place the roof came off, it was so loud. It's a momentum play because the defense is now – you've now taken the momentum as an offense when you drive down the field and score a touchdown. And everyone just kind of thinks, oh, the extra point is what it is, right? You kick the extra point, you keep the momentum. But people don't understand, if you miss the extra point or let alone get the extra point blocked, that one point can swing the entire momentum for an entire place. And I wasn't even there, but I just knew it was. I talked with specialists. One of my good friends, Pat Smith, was a kicker my senior year. He talked about how he thought about that all the time. Hey, make the extra point, keep the momentum for my offense. And that's something that I think is really important that people need to understand. The extra point is very important, not just because it's the point, but it's a momentum keeper as well. The crowd was out of it at that point until that. It gives you life. It gives your sideline juice, and it deflates your own sideline. That's the hardest thing. It's very deflating. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so a couple other things on last week before we move forward. Um, Protecting, pass protection, pretty solid for the offensive line. How do you, I mean, okay. It was average. I think it was average. I mean, when they sent three. We were good, but we still got to get really a lot better with our pick games. Um, we're getting picked a lot. Illinois started it with Jake Hansen. Oklahoma copied it with they start a linebacker on one side. They have the backside defensive tackle, pick the center, and then wrap the linebacker, and we're not passing it off inside very well. We'll see that this week. Michigan State loves the blitz. They're going to bring a lot of different exotic blitz packages. They love the double A-gap mug. They love to walk the safeties up, drop defensive ends, bring guys from all over the place. The communication this week has to be a lot better as far as getting lined up and finding where we're going to point and where we're sliding, who we're hot off of, who the running backs have. But overall, last week, I thought that our protection was much better, but it still wasn't good enough. Okay, and, and then the run game. I mean, how do Not you? Great. Okay, Not so great. how do you establish that a little bit more moving forward? We got we got creased a lot, and when I say creased, I don't mean we're getting blown up backwards. I mean we just weren't covering guys up. There was uncolored in the hole. There was times where I don't think we ID'd things right. The safeties were rocking and rolling with motions, and sometimes when we're trying to go fast and we're rolling a motion and said hut and the ball's coming. We have an idea there's going to be a free hitter in the hole, and we saw that a couple times. But I think we're still trying to figure out our identity. Losing Irvin, that sucks. There's no way around it. It's not awesome. But at the same time, Ramir Johnson showed a lot of promise. That's a guy that's been around a while. He understands what he needs to do. And then you got guys like Sevian Morris and Marquis Stepp. They're going to step up. But it's really going to be on that front five to really start establishing a run game. Scott challenged him against the Buffalo game. And then I'm sure he's been challenging them all week. But I know Greg Austin, great coach, phenomenal techniques that he's teaching. It's really going to be his players need to show up for him and really show out for him because he's on the hot seat from a lot of people around the, the state right here. But I know the techniques he's teaching. I know the stuff that he does. I've talked with him. He's a phenomenal coach, and they're going to get it right. Okay, take us inside the, the psyche, the mentality of a player, a team, when you take the number three team on the road, feel like you should have won that game. 
you got a quick turnaround where you got another ranked opponent on the road this week. Is it something where, I mean, how do you close the chapter pretty quickly, but also, you know, take some positives away from what you did? Yeah, so these, these games are tough to put to bed. These games are the 24-hour rules really hard for games like Oklahoma because so much emotion, so much buildup, and then to have it feel like you should have won and you didn't, and I truly believe Nebraska was the better football team on that field on Saturday. Now, we play them 10 times. Do they beat us 8 out of 10? Maybe. Do they beat us 9 out of 10? Maybe. But we should have won that game on Saturday. And so as a player, you have to be able to harness that feeling of we should have won, but then you got to really be critical as to why. And I think that's the biggest thing is you got to look back at that. Oh, okay, physically we could have won. Scheme-wise we could have won. Why didn't we win? And if you can focus on that, and the psyche's got to be looking at that from a, a really a building way of how do we build from this instead of a, man, that sucks. How come that happened? But, hey, how do we make sure that doesn't happen again from a team standpoint really needs to be the psyche as you move forward or else the same things are going to keep happening if you don't address them head on and fix them. You played at Michigan State. I uh, did. It's one of my favorite games of my career. Really? Yes. How come? We were down, I believe, 11 with like three and a half, maybe four minutes left. And we led two huge drives. Our defense got us a stop. And we ended up scoring on a flag route to Jamal Turner in the corner of the end zone. I'll never forget it um, on the like last play of the game to score a touchdown and win the game. And, I mean, I can just remember the stadium itself during the two-minute drive. They have these light banners that go around the stadium. They were just like, I swear someone was in the back just like <laughs> flipping colors. It's like, da -da 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 -da. And, like and none of us blinked. None of us blinked. We all stood the course. It was my junior year. We let ourselves down the field. And um, we, I was playing against Chauncey Golston at the time, who was a defensive – I mean, he's uh, in the NFL, still really fun player. And I just remember it being a really fun game, a physical game, hard-fought game. Taylor Martinez had some great runs. Jannard Robinson was on that team and had some really pushbacks. Jarrell Worthy was on that team. Just a lot of NFL talent. Max Bulla, I mean, a lot of NFL talent on both sides of – our team there being going at it and just being a really fun game that year in 2012. What's the crowd going to be like? What's the atmosphere going to be the like? The crowd they sucked when we were there. Really? I mean, they, they weren't, they, I don't think they were very good that year. Yeah. If I, recall. I think they may have went six and six or maybe seven and five, but the crowd, would, I have a feeling they're excited up there in East Lansing right yeah. now. I think they got some juice. Mel Tucker, I think is a very good coach. I think his players play really hard for him. But I also think that he might have poked the bear a little bit of, I don't want anyone in red to come inside. It's like, dude, just don't say that. It's a long <laughs> drive for Husker fans. Like, Husker fans are going to be like, man, East Lansing is like 12 hours away. But they might read that coat and be like, pack the car. Yeah. Pack the car. We're going. <laughs> We're going to East Lansing. So, I don't know. The crowd could be a little more red. I'm hoping the crowd's a little bit more red. It's funny you say that because a lot of people, when I was covering Baker Mayfield, like, if you want him to play his best, you be mean to him. Yeah. If you want him to play bad, you should compliment him. Right. Like, don't. Don't poke, poke Husker bear. Nation. There's no <laughs> reason to poke Husker Nation. I mean, it's almost like he gets off on, like, maybe they'll come. Because when he did that in Colorado, there was a lot of red at Folsom Field a few years ago. And I remember watching it on TV. I was in Minnesota going, that's a, that's a, that's a team takeover if I've ever seen one. And Husker fan, I've, I've seen him do it. They've taken over in Chicago with Northwestern. When I played there, they've taken over Purdue. But, I mean, it'd be pretty cool to see some red speckled in those green and white stripes that they're trying to pull off. I've seen some tweets that fans are, were, were uh, saying, hey, Husker Nation, did you, did you see this? A little challenge there. Well, it'll be interesting to see. Okay, diving into the film with Michigan State, yeah. what stands out? Kenneth Walker. Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, easy right off the bat. Which Dude. is funny because uh, Garrett Nelson didn't even know – 
what his stats were. He was informed at the press conference, and I told him when I asked him about it, he's like, yeah, I just found out he has like nine yards of carry. Sick for him is what he said. Sick for him. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, how, what's, what's so good about him? He's super physical, mm -hmm. but he's also very nifty on his feet. He doesn't look like it when he's running at full speed. He doesn't look like the Darren Sproles or the Danny Woodheads of the quick shifts, but – Guys can't tackle him. It's very bizarre. I mean, he's 5'10", 210 pounds. He's a big back. But the biggest thing is he's very patient in understanding his big runs come from push it inside, get those safeties to suck in, bounce it outside to the corners. And he's going to make corners tackle him. We need our best tackling performance by our corners and safeties this week because he breaks a lot of one-on-one -on -one tackles with those guys because they just kind of eat everyone up in the middle and bounce. I mean, he's a very good runner in that regard he can catch the ball too this is a big screen team michigan state loves using screens and our defense is aggressive we blitz a lot garrett nelson caleb tanner Payne. they come off the edges and get after it this is something we got to make sure we're disciplined in our man coverage assignments with luke reimers and nick henrich of hey if this back is sneaking out of the backfield you got to get on them because they will run a lot of screens to the back and a lot of wide receiver screens on offense as well what about the michigan defense Michigan defense, they have what I would call a bunch of program kids up front, which are just big, strong. No one's going to jump off the page athletically at you, but they're pushers. Push, push, push. They want to disrupt. They want to get in the middle, and they just want to push and establish a new line of scrimmage on your side of the line of scrimmage from the defensive front. They have a linebacker, number 27, who doesn't wear gloves, and that's just terrifying. <laughs> Anytime you see a big <laughs> linebacker that's got no tape, no gloves, you're like, oh, that dude's a little crazy. Like, that, dude, that dude's got a couple screws loose in the head. And they run around. They run around their hair on fire. They're ball-hawking defense. They really try and get the ball out. You see them ripping at the ball all the time. The key for the Husker offense this week is going to be 20 to 25 first downs. And I say that because we've got to control the clock. This offense is going to be one that wants to put methodical drives together, run the ball, run the ball, play action, run the ball, run the ball, deep shot. We need to be the team that controls the tempo of this game because Michigan State hasn't had to play from behind at all this year. Put them in a little bit of adversity. Put them in a game where they're not used to playing in and control that clock and then see what happens later on if that – Offense starts not being able to just do their bread and butter. What else do they go to? Peyton Thorne's a good quarterback, hasn't thrown many interceptions this year, but he also hasn't been asked to do a whole lot. Make him put the game on his back and see if he can do it. Don't let Kenneth Walker ruin, ruin this game for us. I was going to say, it's got to bode well for the Huskers. They've been battle-tested mm -hmm. already. They've been in a fight in Norman. They've been in a fight in Il at Illinois. I mean, advantage to Nebraska when it comes to if it's in a tight game, I think, right? I would think so. You would think that if it's a back-and-forth game, we've understood how to come around and how to fight in those. But at the same time, Michigan State knows how to get ahead and stay ahead. Mm -hmm. And so we need to throw them off their game plan. I think that if things go awry, excuse me, if things go awry for us, we're able to find our way back. But I think the biggest thing is just not letting them stay on schedule. Don't let them do what they want to do. Dictate the tempo. Dictate the schedule. Throw some wrinkles at him. Having Volkolek and Allen back is enormous for us and getting that 12 personnel run game going. And then big number 46, Teddy Prochaska <laughs> over there, 13 personnel. I'm watching the tape going, who the hell is 46? I'm like, he's enormous. And I was like, wait a second. I think I know who that guy is. So getting him in there and trying to run some power with these guys too, I think is going to be really helpful. Uh the Michigan State uh, secondary susceptible, right? I mean, in the way that Adrian Martinez has been throwing the ball around, some oh. of the, the targets that stepped up last week, uh, Omar Manning and uh, Betts and, you know, 
I don't know if Oliver Martin, he's probably not going to be back, but eventually, but he's been able to spread the ball around. That could be a potential area that Nebraska could exploit, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the more you look at the cast of characters that he has to throw the football to, the more excited you get. I mean, the more guys that are starting to get involved, the, I mean, Betts having that big, long ball down the sideline. We have a receiver. Hey, man, we can have someone that can take the top off a of defense. Right, those safeties can't sit at nine yards because this corner can bl- or this receiver can blow by this corner. Right, and then you got guys that are starting to favor Toure now, which means Omar Manning's going to start to get some opportunities. It's so cool to see him get his first touchdown. I think he's going to be huge for us down the stretch here. And then you get Vokalek and Allen back. We're starting to get our full cast of characters back. You get Oliver Martin back. Pretty much all our weapons, minus our starting running back and Gabe Irvin, which sucks, are back. And we're rolling into conference play now with almost a full, I mean, full strength. And the offense is still developing, still growing. But guess what? So is our defense. I mean, there's some game, very winnable games out here in front of us here in the next few weeks. So as um, you know, you, we were talking about the run game, getting the run game going. But that the if the passing game's going, that's got to help that. Oh yeah, anytime you can pass the ball and those safeties got to back off and respect that. That extra box, that extra man in the box can't always be there. And you're, you're those four four yard runs that hopefully turn into six can now turn into twelve or fifteen or make a guy miss and go to the house and. So if you can spread the ball out, it's really helpful in the run game because the last few years we've been staring into nothing but 10-man boxes because we just haven't had the talent outside that corners and safeties have to respect. I should have asked you about this earlier, but how about the game, the performance of Adrian Martinez last week? Yeah. I mean, arguably I think his best game is a Husker. Really, I mean, he's had some good games, Illinois 2019 or 2018 and, and his freshman year, but that one on the road, hostile environment, Things not always going the right way. Put in some tough spots. I thought he handled it beautifully. I thought he delivered some really good footballs. And he took care of the football. I mean, everyone said, well, he had the interception. It was on fourth and forever. And arguably it helped us yeah. because guess what? They got the ball at the one-yard line. It's a smart said, decision. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, hey, you catch this on the one. I mean, if we, if we think Adrian's playing that smart of football, hats <laughs> off to him. But, I mean, I think that, that he, he handled it wonderfully. And I love that kid to death. I love the way he competes. I love the way he handles himself on and off the field. And to see him walk into a place where really not a lot of people gave us any shot at all, and he led our team and gave us a chance there at the end, too, really exciting for him. Okay, uh, another week, and here we are. What are we – no Gabe Irvin, but another – week where we're like what's going to happen at running back it's got to be Ramirez, right you would think I mean he got the start last week I don't know why all of a sudden he wouldn't get the start I think he showed he's a guy's battle tested like you said he's played a lot of football around here he's fast he's not your big back he's not your guy you want to hand the ball to in between the tackles 20 30 times but I do think with this Michigan State defense being the strength up front of big tough physical guys Getting those guys moving laterally isn't always the horrible thing to do, which as an offensive lineman saying that makes me want to vomit. (laughs) But the fact that make them run laterally to run vertically, um, I think is something that we're going to be important to do this week. And Ramirez really can turn that corner. And then you can pound them with Sevian and Step. I think both those backs are big bell cow backs that can get in between the tackles. And so I'm hoping to see a physical run game from them. Kind of the thunder-lightning combo, right? Ramirez and then Step or Morrison in between. And just kind of keep wearing them out with that. All right, offense, defense, player to watch. So, you know, the, the big one I think I'm going to say for offense is be who's running back. I think uh, the player to watch is whoever starts at running back, Ramirez, Morrison, or Step. I'm going to say you've got to watch those three guys and really see how those guys are going to be. On defense, it's got to be Luke Reimer. 
Luke Reimer because he's going to be the one that's going to be matched up with Kenneth Walker a lot of the time, not just in the run game, but that pass game, that screen game is so important to make sure that you have a matchup with those guys and he's going to have, have a really good game, which he's been playing phenomenal football for us the last few weeks, so I wouldn't expect anything less. Luke Reimer is also our Cornhusker conversation, so tune in to Husker Game Day to hear that. What a phenomenal story he has. And so, yeah, he's going to keep getting better and better. We, Absolutely. We, all the team just raving about him and his potential. So, all right, that will do it for this edition of the Sideline Scoop. We got you caught up on everything since Jeremiah bailed on us last Easy. week. But we'll have Facebook Live coming up for you again, yes. 60 minutes out on the road. So we'll be uh, live for you 60 minutes out. Jeremiah's going to be on the pregame show all day, so make sure you tune in. Well, four hours before, so what? that's uh, 2 o'clock. 2 o'clock. Yes. Tune into the radio show, the pregame show. All right, for Jeremiah Searles, I'm Jessica Cootie. Thanks for listening. Later.